Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Verse number 41. Amen. I believe it's a crucial hour that we're living in. Amen. And it's a time that we as the church need to realize that our time is short to do what we need to do. Um, I believe if we're going to get our family saved, it's going to have to happen pretty quick. And I think you'll all uh, uh, agree, you know, that January the 1st on will probably tell the story of what is going to happen. So we need to really pray and get a hold of God for the leaders of our nation. Amen. Praise the Lord. We really do. We need to pray for them that's in position. Praise God. Matthew 5 and verse number 41. I won't keep you standing long. I'm only going to read one verse, that one verse, and it's a, it's a short one. Amen. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And whosoever shall compel Everybody said compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Heavenly Father, thanking you this morning for your word. Asking you, Lord, you would move upon us, Lord, this morning. Let the anointing, Lord, flow through this sanctuary. Oh, God, help us this morning, Lord. In the darkest hour, Lord, for the world, but God, the brightest hour for the church. Help us this morning, Lord, change our minds through the word. I pray this morning and through your anointing, I need your anointing, Lord. I need you to move upon me, realizing my wretchedness, Lord, but your greatness this morning, that you can speak to somebody in this church today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I glorify you, Lord. I glorify you. Amen. You can be seated in the name of Jesus. I want to minister this morning this subject, the first and the second mile. The first and the second mile. And in, in our scripture, that's all it mentions is the first mile. Go with him twain. Go, so go again. Let's go, let's go the second mile. I'm here this morning because there is a burning in my soul that we are at a critical stage in our walk with God. The first mile that we walk this morning is the one of obligation. Amen. And obligation is where you do what is required. It is what's expected of you. It's something that you cannot get out of. You've got to run the first mile. And whosoever shall compel. It's a compelling thing that we are compelled to walk the first mile. If there is ever going to be a second mile, you first got to finish the first mile. Amen. In fact, uh, this is the only two scriptures in all this, so that media is not needed a bunch this morning, but it's great to have them. Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2, I want to read you as we began to go into this sermon said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, 
by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's reasonable. Nothing extraordinary. And be not conformed to this world, but be a transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So he really lets us know, Paul lets us know in Romans there that it is just reasonable thing that God would even ask us to go the first mile. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not only just compelling, but it's something that it's a reasonable thing that we ought to do. We ought to just walk by faith the first mile that I am going to make it the first mile and I am going to go to the second mile. You would never enter a race that you thought that you couldn't make it a mile, you know. You would not even enter that race. But I don't know about you, but I've entered this race and I want to stay true to the end. Even if it is more than two miles, if you please. I, but the first and the second mile is what we want to talk about. The first mile is, uh, must be walked before you can walk the second mile. The first mile consists of doing the ordinary things. Amen. It's, it, the first mile is a mile of testing of your faithfulness. It's seeing how faithful and where you stand with God. Amen. In fact, if you want to look back and even, even uh, uh, statistics say that the first, the first year of your marriage is the most critical year because it's the first year this is the place where you are tested amen and it it tells whether you're going to be faithful or not and if you're going to hold out amen and many times in the first year it tells whether you will make this marriage work or not make it work you must first be tried with the simple things before God is going to entrust you with the ordinary things so may I say that the first mile is just ordinary things. Somebody look at your neighbor and say ordinary. It is the tempting, uh, it is tempting to try. There is people and, and, and people that try and, and it seems like in the ministry, young ministers that are tempted to try to leapfrog the first mile. Amen. Of obligation to get to the second mile of opportunity. All right? Amen. How many would like to just leapfrog the first mile of all the trials and all the temptation and all that? But it don't work that way, and it won't work. You cannot leapfrog the first mile. If you're going to last in the second mile, let me tell you, you better not try to leapfrog the first mile because it will not work. The first mile is what gives you the, the strength and the courage and all that you need to make it even through the second mile. And you can never make it through the second mile if you've never finished the first mile. Hallelujah. Why would a person be tempted to leapfrog the first mile? Well, I'm going to tell you why. The first mile can get tiring. Amen. It seems like that Satan bombards you with everything that's in the book. In fact, seldom does anybody get applauded for walking the first mile. There is no hand clapping in the first mile. Come on. 
There, there's not people that's, that's saying, oh, you've done a great job in the first mile because it's ordinary things. It's reasonable service. It's what's expected of you. And you've got to make it through that if you're ever going to make it to the second mile. So you might as well just bear down and say, I'm going to make it through this first mile. Hallelujah. The first mile is where you meet up with reality. Anybody met with reality and you thought this is going to be this is going to be easy? They're not going to be this is going to be great. It's it's nothing to this. I can make it. I can do it. But when you get in there and find out that it's not what you thought it was going to be, it's where you meet up with reality and it slaps you in the face and say, "Hey, this is not easy like I thought it was going to be." Come on, it's not going to be a breeze. People come to God and they think it's going to be an easy way. Let me tell you, it's a hard way. You live for the devil hard. You've got to live for God hard. No, no, don't try to make it easy. It'll never become easy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's not always a fun thing to meet up with reality. It's not good. The first mile is doing those things in which there is no glory. There's no certificates handed out for this. It's, 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 it's not the place of glory, if you please. It's, uh, th- th- this is the place where there's no great rewards and and, and can I say even possibly no rewards at all? It may be a place that you just got to walk by faith. And it's, you know, and you, you're not sure. And it don't look good. And it don't feel good. But you still keep on walking even in the midst of it. It's the tough place. Come on. Many people have never made it to the second mile of opportunity because they say can't seem to fulfill the first mile of obligation. Come on. You... My pastor always told me this, and, and my pastor always told me this, that you've got to learn to be a follower before you can ever become a leader. Come on. You've got you to gotta take the trivial things, and you've got to learn how to do the simple things before God is ever going to entrust you with some things that's beyond ordinary. I don't know about you, but I'm in the place in my life that I want to get past Brother Terry, the ordinary. And I don't know about you, but I want to move on into the extraordinary. I'm tired of just coming to church and sitting on the pews and going through the mode of worship and praise. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to see some miracles. I'm ready to see some signs. I'm ready to, yeah, come on, we've witnessed them. Just this year, we have witnessed them. We've witnessed a young man just stepping aside, pulling that walker aside and getting up off of this pew, that drug, that leg coming in here. But he run this church. Come on. Hallelujah. We have seen that, witnessed that with our own eyes. We know what it is to see miracles and signs and wonders. But we're going to have to get past the first mile before we're ready to see these things come. It's just obligation. It's just what we're required to do. And if the first mile will be filled with obligation, if you expect the second mile to be filled full of opportunity. Come on, let me me say again. I said the first mile is going to be filled full of obligation if you're ever going to make it to the second mile of opportunity. Without fulfilling obligation, you'll never see opportunity. Come on. And I don't know, but I'm going I'm to drill hard this morning. 
I'm going to drill hard this morning because I think sometimes we look at obligation and how it's such a dreaded thing. And, you know, and I think the way it makes a difference of how we meet obligation of whether opportunity is going to come to us. Come on, I believe God looks at us and said, David, they've been a, they've been a faithful servant and obligation. They've done everything that's been expected. And I, I don't know, but I'm hoping this morning that we go farther than just obligation in the mode of obligation. I believe that we can go beyond what is expected of us and do the extraordinary. Come on. If we're going to do the extraordinary in the first mile, then God, I believe, is going to look and say, hey, I can trust them with things because they went beyond what I asked them to do. The, the reasonable things. They went beyond the reasonable. And they've done more than just what was reasonable. They went beyond themselves and have already walked a part of the second mile. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. See, the first mile is where... You meet up with daily prayer. It's where it takes its place. It's, it's just the first mile. It's ordinary. It's just praying every day. It's, it's seeking God every day and getting some, getting some uh, direction for your life. Come on. What God wants you to do. That, it's just the first mile. That's, that's, it's just ordinary. Amen. The, the, the first mile is where the Bible is being read and studied every day. It's, it's where it's, a, it's become a habit. Come on. It's, it's ordinary, yet it's obligation, yet we are not to look at it like it as obligation. It's, it's the, the first mile of obligation is where you begin to do things and they become a part of your life. You don't have to think about it, Brother Terry, but you know, you know, hey, it's, it's, I need to pray, and, and you pray. I need to study. I need to read the Word. I need to get something for today. I know I'm going to face something today, and I need a Word of God to carry me through. It's that time that when you pick up the Word of God, it's something that you do. It's a part of your day. It's not something that you have to set alarm to or reminder to. It's something you need every day. I need prayer. I need the Word of God. I can't make it without it. Oh, somehow, I've got to get this obligation to it's a part of my life. Glory. In fact, things become a part of our life and so much if we don't, if we're not real careful that we don't even recognize that we've done it. I worry about that and I worry about myself in that. Maybe this don't happen at your table. How many of you have ever, you know, you've been busy and you're talking and you sit down and you say the prayer over the meal and you turn around and say it again. Say, did I say the prayer? No, nobody's ever done that, right? It's happened at my table before. My wife will chuckle at me. She said, well, boy, this food ought to be blessed. But she'll say the second time you've done it better. Come on now. We do it. And it's good that we do it. But we need to realize we've done it. Somehow I need to touch heaven in that. Um, come on, it's a serious thing anymore. When you go out to eat, you better pray over your food. You have no idea what the kitchen looks back like back there. 
Come on. I'm sorry, but you, you may be praying over that bug that's in there that you don't know is in there. And you hope to God it don't kill you. Come on. I know it's funny, but I'm telling you, we do things spontaneous without even thinking. That's a good thing if we're doing it unto God, but let's make sure we know we've done it. Come on. I'm sorry, but I need to touch heaven with my prayers over my food. Hey, I eat at McDonald's. Where's Brother Zach? I thought he'd be out here. She's hiding. He don't want nobody to see him. I'm kidding, Brother Zach. I know Brother Zach works back here in the kitchen. He'll be all right. He's that food's anointed before it ever hits me, y'all. Oh, thank God for apostolics. Thank God for Christians that is praying over the food before it ever comes to me. Glory. I want you, I want you to know this morning, this food's been blessed twice this morning. You're getting. I've already prayed. I prayed all week about this. Come on. I've been praying for two weeks. God's been dealing with me too. I've been praying over this for some time. So it's already been prayed over before you're ever getting it this morning. Jesus, hallelujah. It's where daily prayer takes place. It's where the Bible's being read and studied every, play, every, every day. The place where you show up for church every time the doors are open, unless you're sick. Come on, it's ordinary. It's nothing extraordinary. It's just what, I've, what I should do. It's, it's, it's ordinary things. It's what's required of me. It's obligation, if you please. It's the place where you worship every time you come to church, no matter how you feel. Worship many times has brought healing. Come on. Come on. I have, I have been there myself and come and didn't feel good. Didn't feel like being here. Didn't feel like preaching many times through 20 plus years of pastoring this church. I've come and didn't feel like preaching. Many times even had fever. But God blessed me in that. And I found out that a lot of times before I ever preached that that fever left. And God gave me some extra strength to minister the word of God because he knew it was my obligation. And, he, and by me going ahead and carrying it out, he blessed me because I fulfilled obligation. What you don't understand, there is a blessing coming your way even for fulfilling obligation. It may, may not be hung on the signboard on the outside. It may not be on the bulletin board, but there is a blessing with your name upon it that God has placed there that one day he's going to pour out upon you because you fulfilled obligation. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. My wife and I in our senior years, I know nobody else is there. Yeah, I got a brother back there, my sister-in-law. Glory. Get up many times and start to go about our daily chores, and I'm about to walk out the door, and Sister McGee said, you haven't kissed me this morning. Said, yes, I did. You were sitting right here at the table. Well, I don't remember it. Well, we'll do it again. Uh, that's, that's, when you get to be a senior, those kind of things happen. 
And it is my obligation, but it's also my opportunity. And we all chuckle about that, but how many times will we come into the house of God and it's a place of worship and it's our obligation, yet it's our opportunity. And we've sat on our seat and we haven't worshiped. Yet here comes, and we go up and we get prayed for and healing comes. Even though we didn't fulfill our obligation, God met us with opportunity. Come on now. I'm working on this a little. I don't know. I'm teaching, preaching, whatever this morning. I'm going to obey God. Hallelujah. So the first smile is where the toilets are cleaned. And everybody just dreadful. You know, that's a dreadful thing. Don't speak that. Would you go clean the toilet? So I can, you, you asking me? Hey, I've got dishwater hands, not toilet hands. You don't want them in the same place. Especially not they've been washed. <laughs> you wear rubber gloves for that, y'all. So when you throw them away, I know you need to go wash your hands anyway just because of where they've been. But come on. I'm talking about obligation. It's a place where dirty work is done. But it's expected of you. Come on. It's an obligation in your mind. You do it at your house. Why is it everybody can do it at their house but they don't like to in the house of God? More people use it. where all these people come from what kind of germs they got well, bless God I know we's all made out of dirt I'm no better than you are we all made out of dust and look what he done with some people that made out of dust I mean look at the 12 apostles and, and, and come on he's built a church off of ordinary come on obligated men that done the work of an evangelist that done the work that God had set before him and at the end Paul said I fought a good fight I've kept the faith come on yes sir there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me it's a place where toilets are clean the lawn is mowed and groomed there's a difference in mowing the lawn and grooming it Anybody can mow it, but not everybody grooms it. But it's obligation. Come on. You know, you've had people. Well, maybe you haven't. I don't know. Maybe you've had somebody mow your lawn. You just, you know, maybe the kids, they mowed it, and they just mowed it. Brother Terry, you know, they didn't take no time with your half a, your acre or two out there. You know. And, uh, you know, if I'm, I, I want the house to look good, so if I want the house to look good, the yard is what leads into the house, so I want it to look good. Because if, if it don't look good, then the house don't look good. Come on now. I'm going to tell you, the Lord is wanting a church that's in proper order. He wants it to look good. Not just feel good. Come on. It's good to come in and feel the presence of the Lord, but you don't want a raggedy church. Come on. We're trying to dress it up on the outside. That's a good thing. Let's, let's make it look good that people said, hey, that's attractive. I want to go there. 
But let them come into the church and more than look good, let them come in and feel the presence of God. Let them feel the glory, the Shekinah glory that will come and visit us. And it's just obligation that we put a church in order like that. It's ordinary. It ought to be a common thing that people come through the door and say, Sister McGee, I never will ever forget it. And I've told this story thousands of times. Probably in this church, probably got tired of hearing it. But I'm going to mention it again real quick this morning. I worked with a man that he, we invited him to church. It was when I was still at the home church. I wasn't pastoring. Um, I wasn't pastoring yet. But we were having a singing at our home church. And we went in, and to us, it was just a normal singing. There wasn't nobody running the aisles, Brother Terry. There wasn't nobody jumping, shouting, you know. And then we, it was, to us, it was ordinary service. It wasn't nothing extraordinary. It wasn't just a move of God and people come to the altar and found God and, you know, received the Holy Ghost. It wasn't nothing like that. It was just to us ordinary, what we would call ordinary. Anybody ever said, well, we had an ordinary service? It was just, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't extraordinary, but it was just ordinary service. Well, we walked out that night, and it was to us, it was ordinary service. But you know what he told me? He said, man, he said, I felt, uh, I felt, he said, man, there was a power in that place. He said, man, it's just like a whole building. I could just feel something moving it in there. And I thought, Lord, how, how calloused we are. How calloused we are that we come into the presence of God and it don't even move us no more. I'm worried, church, that we're in that hour when the Spirit of God no longer moves us. It takes so much to move us off of our seat. No wonder we can't get anybody saved. Corey, I remember Sister McGee, pastor's wife. I remember... I believe it was just a week, maybe not even a week ago. I maybe might even been when she was talking about that when Pastor talked about, you know, just at the end of service, it's not a bad thing that if we as the church just come down to the altar and pray because sometimes it gives way for somebody else to kind of mix theirself in and be able to pray. Nobody has to be noticed at the altar just because somebody comes down there and point fingers and say they're a sinner. No, 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 no. Come on, we've all sinned and we've come short. Come on, all of us have obligations to feel and we haven't filled those too well at times we're short we're short so it's a good thing if we just come and pray give somebody else a chance to mingle in and pray they don't have to be noticed many times that's reason they don't come they don't want to stand out in the crowd yet we act like the altar is a place to be feared It ought to be our companion. Come on, if we pray every day, then the altar ought to be our companion. It ought to be the place that we meet with God. Hallelujah. It's where the toilets are cleaned and the lawn is mowed and it's groomed, it's weed-eated, and weeds are pulled. And, and ever, Brother Freddie takes extra pain to make it look good and He'll get the push mower out a lot of times for the front. And I watch him, and he'll go at an angle because it makes it look good. Something about it makes it look good, you know. He'll, he'll, he'll angle that thing across there. You know why? Because it's the purse. It's what shows up out front. 
Come on. He wants that to look better than the sides. This isn't a sideshow, honey. We're on the, come on now. I'm here to tell you this isn't a sideshow. You're on stage. Somehow, I got to get that through your head that when we come through the door, we're on stage. That you are in control what happens on the inside. And you can sit there like a knot on the log and, and the sinner won't even feel free to go to the altar. Or you can worship and they feel freedom to come to pray. Oh, oh Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the place where obligation is the place where maintenance is carried out on the church vans. Don't have to be seen. Don't have, nobody has to know it. I'm just taking care of it. Come on. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. pa Pastor, Bishop, one of you that's got keys, would you just drive the van over here? I want to wash it. Nobody has to see me. I just want to clean it up. I want it to look good. We've got a trip to make. Come on. I'm not, not literally, literally, but at times when, when that van takes a trip, I don't know about you, but I always feel good if it looks clean inside and out before it leaves. Come on. You know why? Because others is going to see that going down the road. I want them to read the name. I'm sorry. I do. I want them to read the name on the side. It's not that the name's anything, but I want them to understand what we stand for. I stand for apostolic doctrine. Come on. I believe what the apostles preach. Come on. I believe in the healings and the, come on, all of the things that make up their ministry. I believe in it and I preach it. I want people to see that van that, hey, they must think something of the van because they're taking care of it. When it gets to the place, it's ratty looking. I think it's time to either clean it up, get rid of it. And I'm not going to tell you where it's at right now. Oh, glory. It's a place where the church vans is clean. Water is carried to the pastor, to the evangelist, whoever's preaching. The musicians, the singers, and nobody has to see you do it. And, uh, you don't have to wait till everybody gets here. You can do it before time. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm hanging on to this because when we get the opportunity, we're going to fly. Thank you, Jesus. There are all the things that are not noticed much. Yet they're important. They're important. Glory. If we're ever going to see real revival, we're going to have to get past obligation because position comes from fulfilled obligation. You hear me? I said position comes from fulfilled obligation. The reason that you get a move up advancement in your job is because you have fulfilled obligation. And unless you fulfill obligation, then you'll never get an opportunity to get moved up. Because position comes from fulfilled obligation. Come on. Hallelujah. Anybody want to move up in God? Come on. Come on. Anybody want to be able to lay hands on the sick and they recover? Come on. Anybody want to be able to win your family? Anybody want to be a soul winner in here this morning? Well, I'm going to tell you, if you'll fulfill the first mile of obligation, opportunity will come to you. I'm standing out on the limb that it will come to you. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. Well, I've beat obligation to death. Now the second mile of opportunity is knocking. 
Opportunity is the favorable time. Key word, time. Everybody said time. Let me tell you that in opportunity, there only is a allotted time. It is, it is only a space that is opened, and it's not, a, it don't stay open, but it's there, and it's gone. It's there, and it's gone. It happens at sundry times, at different times during our walk with God, that opportunity knocks at our door. We either receive opportunity, or opportunity passes us by. I'm going to drill this this morning. It's an allotted time. You can miss it if you're not mindful of it. Opportunity is when everything is right for you. And when you must be ready to take advantage of the opportunity and the allotted time. You must be ready. It's... It's, I'm not, I don't know about you, but I've been praying for revival. And unless we all get in the same stage in our walk with God that we want revival and all pray, then opportunity will not open to all of us at the same time. But it would be great in this church, and it, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get ahead of myself. It would be great in this church if opportunity came to all of us at the same time. And I'm going to hear right now to tell you that I believe the opportunity has been opened. And it's up to us to step through the door of opportunity. Opportunity is a place where you are in charge. Let me tell you, obligation, you wasn't in charge. It was expected of you. It was, this is just things that you had to do to get through your first smile. I've heard people say, you know, I'm, they, they told me if I'd be here a year that I'd get a raise and maybe possibly an advancement. If I can just make it through the first year, well, I'm going to tell you, you've got to do more than just make it through the first year. You've got to go beyond the call of duty and obligation to ever make it to opportunity. Come on. I'm sorry, but there's more expected of us as a Christian than there was at the devil. Come on. He just let you do your own thing because he just opened the book of the opportunity, what he would call opportunity, and let you run with it. But I'm going to tell you, there are things that open the doors of opportunity in the church. Glory. Should I put it on snooze? See, you all didn't know it, but our time has run out. Opportunity is like that. Your time runs out, and it's bypassed you. And some of you hit the snooze. And you go on back to sleep. In the church we do it. I missed God. He'll come around again. Oh well. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. There's no godly sorrow anymore that I miss God. 
I'm going to pick on him because he's my brother and he told me this and maybe he shouldn't have told me, but he did. He's bigger than I am. I can run faster than he can. When Jesse sat up here on this front row that night, all of you seen him? I mean, we've watched him come in and out of church, dragging that leg, couldn't, had the stroke, had all kinds of problems, couldn't talk, couldn't put his words together. We all watched him do that. Watched him come through those doors, dragging that leg that night, walking slow. He drug himself up on that front pew, Brother Fred. And my brother, after that was all over, tears in his eyes, he said, you know what? I was supposed to have been one of them that went up there and prayed for him, and I didn't. Come on. He's just one. How many of you others felt like doing it, but you wouldn't and didn't? But he was sorry because there was tears in his eyes. There was godly sorrow, but how many times have we done that and there was no tears, no sorrow, no feeling? Come on, church. God help us in the apostolic church that we don't lose our feeling and compassion for the lost. God. Oh, Jesus. All right. Don't bypass somebody because they got problems. Hallelujah. I've never had anybody ever walk out of the church that I couldn't see on the street corner and go and shake hands with them and be friendly. I've never had that in my life. I've always done that. Come on. I'm not bragging on me, but I'm going to tell you something. It's an obligation. And if I'm ever going to get the second mile of opportunity, then I must go beyond obligation. Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. It's the second mile of opportunity. The alarm has been set. Opportunity is there. Come on, it's the place where you're in charge. It's no longer you waiting on God. See, before God was waiting on you because it was obligation. But now, it's no longer that. But it's God saying, okay, you're in charge. Door of opportunity is open. Step through it. Just take this as far as you want to take it. I want to be a soul winner. Then be one. If you've walked up the mile of obligation, then let me tell you, opportunity's open to you. Come on. Church, somehow you've got to understand that the door of opportunity in this church has been open for a long time. I remember it's 2009. I know for sure because I remember that uh, uh, Brother Luke St. Clair was here. And I remember the prophecy that he done. I don't remember it was before that or after that. But I remember Brother Chester coming here and speaking the same words. Come on. I believe that he was first and maybe Brother St. Clair second. And, 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 and y'all know Brother Harris been here time after time. He even prophesied at the old church. Come on, church. The door and the opportunity has been open for this church. And I think that we have forgot that it's open. And we've not stepped through the door. And if we're not careful, we'll be sitting on our seat till the Lord comes. And our family will still be outside these doors because we haven't taken the opportunity to get them saved. Go ahead and laugh. 
I want you to laugh at it. Many of you are used to hearing this. It's an every morning thing. Sometimes it's three or four times before you get out of a stinking bed to do, go fulfill your obligation. Okay, I'll dismiss it. Opportunity's closed. It's knocked on your door twice, and nobody has submitted to it. I haven't seen a single person got up off of their seat yet. Everybody must still be asleep. Come on, church. I know we laugh at that, but how many times has that grown true in our walk with God that we bypassed obligation and opportunity open and we just act like it was still obligation? I know a sobering sermon. At least you're listening. So, opportunity is open, you're in charge. Don't that sound great? Bless God. Brother Terry, you're in charge. Pat, you're in charge. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel good? Well, we could do a little of this then, couldn't we? Could we? Could we? Well, where are you at? Come on. Come on. Come on. If opportunity is in this house, then why aren't we doing something with it? Come on. I've got a chance to praise God. Why aren't I praising him this morning? I've got a chance to worship him in spirit and in truth. Why aren't I not doing it? Come on. Truth prevails, church. Oh, Jesus. Sounds great when we're in charge. But many times when they, people get in charge and they're scared to death and they don't want to do nothing. But it's also the place where everything is contingent upon you. Opportunity is the time when everything is contingent upon you. It depends on you because you are in charge. Well, yeah, sure, we got a leader. We must follow the leader. Sure, we must do that. But it's contingent on what we do with what he's preaching. Come on, it's contingent on how we're moved by the word of God. You can either be moved or don't have to be moved. It's up to you. I'm like, yes, sir. Come on. I know I've preached behind the, the pulpit long enough that I know that there's times that I, I can feel it coming back at me. Brother Terry, there's people saying, you can preach all you want to, honey, but you're not moving me. There is that attitude and spirit that walks into the church and sits on the pews. And yes, they are Christians. But there is a spirit sometimes that works its way into the church that should not be there. And if we would worship and do everything that's expected of us, if we would enter the door of opportunity, we're in charge. It would not and could not happen because where praise is, the devil isn't. Yeah. If I praise him, it gives no place to the enemy. Oh. God. 
if we'd have our service filled full of miracle signs and wonders in the word of God and prayer and praise, there would be no place for the devil to come in and snatch anybody out of our midst. God, I'm, I'm mad at the devil. I'm sorry, but I'm mad. I'm mad at sin. Come on. It's the only thing I've got a right to be mad over. I'm mad of sin, of people, of God that knows better that'll sit on the seat when they know they ought to be up worshiping. Come on. Hallelujah. That we ought to set an atmosphere that God wants to use this church in a mighty way and it's contingent upon us whether he does or not. Thank you, Jesus. Well, glory. Hallelujah. Second mile of opportunity sounds great. See, opportunity is where miracles are at. It's the place of revival. But it's contingent upon us. Glory. Hallelujah. But the mile of opportunity calls for greater obligations. Okay, now. Come on. The more you know, the more is expected. Come on. Second mile of opportunity calls for greater obligations. Many people think opportunity is the place where you receive praise. And it can be the place at times when you're shard with kindness and appreciation. It can be. But it can also be the place where people treat you, treat you where you treat people with kindness and they don't even like you and they talk about you. And they run you in the ground. It can be that place. And just because the second mile of opportunity is there, it doesn't mean that there are no problems to face. Let me tell you, opportunity is filled full of problems for you to solve. It's contingent upon you. It is not a place of rest, but it's a place of work. Are you ready for opportunity? Are you ready? The door of opportunity has been opened right now, I believe, in Mount Carmel. For First Apostolic Church. We have seen God do some great things in just the last few months. Letting us know that the door is open. Letting us know that the door is open. Are we going to sit here and let opportunity pass us by? Or are we going to take advantage of this allotted time that God has given us to do something in Mount Carmel? I don't know. I'd, in all of my years of serving God, Sister McGee, I don't ever remember or recollect another instance like Sister Kathy being walking into the baptismal waters and standing for some half hour, 45 minutes, received the Holy Ghost. Could not, couldn't even put her under because she's already, she's already, the power of God is all over her. And receiving the Holy Ghost standing in the baptismal water before she's ever put under in the name of Jesus. I can't remember that I've ever seen that. And I'm 64 years old and received the Holy Ghost when I was 9 years old. So that's been a long time. I won't ever remember seeing that. 
I've seen them come up out of the water speaking in tongues. I've seen them receive the Holy Ghost and then be baptized, but I've not seen them stand in the water and receive it before they was ever put under. We're privileged, church. The door of opportunity has been opened. Eric received it, was baptized at the same time. Thank God. Thank God. Hallelujah. You're in charge, church. We're in charge, First Apostolic Church. Come on, church. After the revivals or the time slots of revival have been filled, are we going to let it in there or are we going to keep it going? Come on. It's contingent. How many times we had a great revival and the next one after the next service after revival? But when revival's going on, we're hitting the prayer rooms and we're praying and, and there's, I mean, there's a glorious time in the prayer room and when we come into the service, we're ready and we are worshiping. How come we don't carry that through just regular, ordinary services? Let me tell you, this is not an ordinary time we're living in. This is opportunity, and you better step through the door while your family and your church family can be saved. This is a time when people need to be healed. There needs to be a healing. The hospitals are full. Come on. Yes, sir. Insurance are going out of sight. You know why? Because everybody's dependent on the stink. I shouldn't say, the doctor, bless his name, bless the Lord's name for making doctors. I'm glad he did. But they're not God. And they can only carry this so far. They can only do for you certain things. They can't heal you. I'm sorry. If a person's cancer-free for 10 years, it wasn't the doctor that done that. I'm sorry, all the chemotherapy, I know all of that stuff makes a difference. But they're not the healer. They're not the one that takes it away to where cancer don't show. It's a God thing. I said it's a God thing. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Jesse was a God thing, Brother Terry. It wasn't an individual. Come on. Oh, it didn't matter who put their hands on him. It was the thing that God placed it. Let me remind you, when you pray for somebody, don't take no glory because when you touch that person, it's God touching that person. In all my years of ministry, I always like people to put their hands on with me because I don't want it to be said, well, that, hey, bless God, he's got healing. No, sir, God's got healing. I'm only an instrument, and you're only an instrument to be used. It's contingent upon us being used. Are you willing to be used? Are you going to stand back and let somebody else do your work? He will find somebody. It's time for us to quit laying our talents down hanging them on the willow tree when God has given us a talent to be used and talents can be all kinds of things it can be music it can be singing it can be teaching it can be preaching it can be it can be cleaning the bathrooms it, it, can, it can be washing windows because not everybody can wash windows I mean, you got to sometimes on the on windows. You got to keep on, keep on working on them. I mean, it's not an easy job. It's work. 
Let me tell you, church work is work. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory. If we want to keep on going, we must do the things we're doing during revival. If we want revival to keep on, then we've got to keep on doing the things we do during revival. I know I'm repetitive. If we want revival to keep on going, we've got to do the things we were doing during revival. If we want revival to keep on going, we've got to do the things that we were doing during revival. Come on. If we want revival to keep on going, then we've got to do the things we were doing during revival. I know. I'm tired of hearing it. I'll harp on it, y'all. I can do that. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. We must hit the prayer room with all of our might, not just with, not just a time of prayer, not just a, you can pray and not really pray. It's only words, you know. It's like when we forget we've prayed over our meal. It wasn't real meaningful because we didn't, we didn't notice we'd done it. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about that. It embarrasses you. Oh, glory. When we come into service, we worship with everything that's in us. Come on. I said we worship with everything that's in us. It's when I don't feel like it that I still do it. Come on. Because it's contingent upon me. If I don't do it, Brother Terry, who is? Come on, there's no rock going to take my place. Come on. And I was a while back, talked to a pastor. A young lady in his church had messed up. And she had kind of slipped out. She'd come back. She went to the pastor's office and talked to him. and she, was, she had godly sorrow and tears, and she knew she'd messed up. She was sorry for what she'd done. There were some people in that would not forgive her. They keep bringing up the past. He said, I, I looked and said, Would you rather her be destroyed? Or would you rather give her an opportunity to worship God? Well, she don't have the right to worship because, oh, yes, she does. Even a sinner can be worshipped. I've got Bible for it. Psalms 150. Everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. A sinner has the right to praise God. Even for life, for breath, they've got the right. Who are you to disallow them to praise God? Are we going to keep their sin alive? Are we going to bury it and cover it? If Jesus forgave, who are we to remember? God, oh, I'm not, I didn't even be this long. I told you all quick, but you know, you heard I was preaching, so. Glory. Word of worship during the service. Preach the preacher. Preach the preacher. No matter who he is. Come on, make him sweat. Let him go away from here sweating through. Come on, no matter how cool it is in here. Let's preach the preacher. 
Come on. Let him know he's preaching the truth. Back him up like you would the evangelist. No matter who is in this pulpit, they deserve, come on, somebody to back them. It's the word of God, and I'm bound. It's my obligation to back up the word of God. Jesus, backing up like you would the evangelist. In fact, he's preaching the same sermon. I don't know of any, any messenger that's come through this that you haven't heard the message before he ever gets here. I'm sorry. Maybe I've been the same way, but the sermon has been preached. But it's a different voice. It's something you become accustomed to is the voice. Come on. Yet it's contingent upon us whether this church keeps on having revival or not. It's contingent. It's my court. Come on. The ball's in your court. The second mile is where you depend on the second wind. I'm trying to come to close. The long distance runner runs until he's, his legs grow heavy. His breathing becomes labored. And he's forced to slow down. But suddenly, out of the nowheres, it's almost a God thing. His breath returns, and his strength returns, and he picks up speed because he's caught the second wind. Thomas Edison said, opportunity is missed by most people because it's addressed in overhauls and looks like work. We must understand in the second mile of opportunity... We cannot make it on our own. It's contingent upon us, but we can't do it alone. The second mile is the place of surrendering to the second wind of the Holy Ghost that's within us. It's no longer our will or my will, but it's His will to be done. I'm closing. But it's His will be done through us. We are His hands. He is, he is depending upon us. We are, the door of opportunity is the door that's open to all of us. That now we are in charge of what we do. Obligation, you just had to fulfill it. But now it's opportunity. Come on, church. God has showed us already, just in the last few revivals, that the door of opportunity is open at First Apostolic Church, what are we going to do with it? Psalter's open. What are you going to do about obligation? And what are you going to do with opportunity? What are you going to do? It's a time slot that's now open for us. Could we stand? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.